I've got a quick question for you before we get started today. Were there any outstanding presentations at the last Master Brewers District meeting you attended? I bet there were. Well, we'd like to share those stories with listeners, but we need your help. Unless they attended that same district meeting, Master Brewers members, including me, will never know about these outstanding presentations unless they get uploaded to the Master Brewers District Presentations Archive. So next time you sit in on a really great presentation, ask your district officers if you can help them get the presentations uploaded. It's super easy. There's even a short how-to video link at the top of the archive. And if there's a presentation that you think we should highlight here on the show, shoot me a quick message. You can find me at community.mbaa.com. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go! 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 Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. And part, part of our goal at St. Arnold is just sort of building community and much like getting this knowledge, the brew house knowledge out there that Eddie is sharing, uh, the way we did the analysis and stuff, those are all available. This week on the show, our friends from St. Arnold and Houston describe how they reduced water times, decreased their grain bills, and increased brew house efficiency. This interview originally ran in July of 2017. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, I'm joined by Eddie Gutierrez and Drew Russi of St. Arnold Brewing Company in Houston. Eddie and Drew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. All right. So you guys were able to reduce your lauder times, decrease your grain bills by 5%. And you increased your average brew house efficiency from 89.3 to 95.5%. That sure is a lot of savings. Hope you guys get a nice bonus check afterwards. <laughs> I wish that's how this worked. <laughs> it's just chalked up as part of the job. Well, your, your TQ article mentioned a, a misconception that sometimes prevents brewers from improving their brew house efficiency. Why don't you tell us about that? Right. So um, I, I think, you know, just in talking to a, a lot of breweries and, and, you know, how they they handle uh, trying to increase efficiency, a lot of breweries assume that you have to also uh, increase the amount of time that it takes to make a beer. So um, that right there will kind of 
you know, eliminate a lot of breweries from, from even making this attempt. You know, grain isn't the most expensive part of the process. And for large production breweries, you know, you can't sacrifice time for anything. So um, that was the misconception that, that I think a lot of breweries have when it comes to increasing brewhouse efficiency. Uh, another thing that we've come across a couple of times uh, at our brewery is that there's also a misconception of how long a project is going to take. Uh, so when Eddie proposed this project and uh, the savings we could get, we sat down and uh, hammered, did uh, power analysis and figured out exactly how many batches we were going to need to do. And uh, it actually turned out to be a pretty small number. Uh, the final number we ended up reporting was large, but that was because we rolled with the changes and by the time we sat down and actually hammered out the paper, we had almost another year's worth of data. Uh, but we actually found significant results as early as uh, about three batches, which would be six mashes in. Uh, so it really didn't take all that long to find the process changes that had uh, really helped us. Excellent. That's great. Why did you guys focus on mash thickness to improve your brew house efficiency? Did you start there or had you already gone after some other lower hanging fruit? Um, we, we definitely, uh, went after the lower hanging fruit, I think, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, sieve testing and, and ensuring that your, your grain, uh, crush is correct. I think that's the first step. And I think a lot of breweries are aware of that. And, you know, even when setting up their mill, they're of course going to do these tests to ensure that they, uh, are setting themselves up for success. But I think, you know, to to take it the next step, that's kind of where you have to get creative, and and that's um, why we chose mash thickness. Is um, you know we'd already done the the lower hanging fruit, and I saw this as an opportunity to kind of just squeeze a little bit more out of each batch, and uh, the concept itself uh, lended to actually being able to do so in a timely manner. You know, not increasing your your brewing time. How about giving us the lay of the land as you set out to improve your brew house efficiency? Could you describe your brewery to listeners and the challenges that you wanted to address? Sure. And, and I think that's, that's an important, uh, you know, topic there is the actual brew house itself. Um, every brewery has a different brew house and they're all going to have uh, slightly different issues and processes. Um, so it's important to keep that in mind. Uh, what we're running on at Arnold is a uh, about 140 barrel uh, Browcon uh, four vessel brew house. So we have a a mash ton, a separate louder ton, um, and just to kind of give you a little background as to why we're having the issues we are. Our louder ton or our brew house was designed to make uh, you know 10 to 12 degree Plato uh, German beers. So. Uh, definitely not what we brew, uh, at least not the majority at St. Arnold. So we have an undersized louder ton, uh, for what we're doing and then, you know, separate boil kettle and then whirlpool. There's a lot of different brewing equipment out there, as you've indicated, and therefore uh, many different approaches to wort separation. Could you describe your lauder process to listeners? What, what's monitored and controlled via inline instrumentation and process automation and what's manual? Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's a, honestly, there's, there's quite a bit of automation. Um, 
one of the nice things about our, our Brios manufacturers that they, they have their in-house software that uh, logic system that controls the, uh, the loudering process. So, you know, your mash in is, is very controlled uh, in terms of temperature and just uh, rate of mixture. So, you know, we're, we're plus or minus, you know, a tenth of a degree uh, in every batch. So you're very consistent in terms of your mash. Um, and it's a very homogenous mixture. We've got, you know, agitator in the, in the mash kettle. Uh, when you're talking about the louder ton, um, we have uh, an automated Vorlauf process that kind of sets your grain bed. Um, and then the louder itself is controlled. Uh, by a set of parameters, uh, depending on the, the beer that we're making, we'll have different parameters that uh, kind of control how aggressively the beer is loudered. Um, outside of that, you've got, you know, a wart pump that's pumping it into the uh, boil kettle. Uh, we've got rakes that have uh, that constantly rotate throughout the louder process, and, and those can be raised or lowered, and that's uh, also automated. I'm looking right now at the infamous Technology Brewing and Malting by Wolfgang Kunze, the fourth edition. And I'm on page 306 where you can find a lauder diagram. And this is a great visual for understanding this process. It shows how extract falls throughout the process. It shows how turbidity starts off high and, and decreases. It shows how the pressure differential starts off low and increases. And then it shows how the raking unit um, it shows the height of the raking unit and how it steps down to make deeper and deeper cuts as the pressure differential increases. And then it even shows if you were to cut too deep and the turbidity would spike and then you would correct that by raising the rakes back up. So it's very helpful for understanding the process, but even more important to understanding the water process is Darcy's Law. If you're listening in and you aren't already familiar with Darcy's Law, be sure to check out Eddie and Drew's TQ article, which explains that equation and how it, how it relates to your lauder process. Darcy's Law is printed in lots of brewing textbooks, and any competent brewing school won't let you graduate without understanding the concept. Coming up, Eddie and Drew explain how you can improve your own brew house efficiency. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by... ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Samba Hops is first in the new exclusive BSG Hop Solutions portfolio. Named for the overwhelming tropical dance explosion of its aroma, Samba's profile is dominated by juicy tropical fruit like pineapple and mango, plus tangerine and stone fruit. Samba is ideal for late and dry hopping juicy hazy IPAs or beers that need a big tropical fruit profile. Learn more about BSG Hop Solutions online and look for more BSG Hop Solutions releases coming soon. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. 
District St. Louis meets January 16th. District Pittsburgh meets January 18th. District New England meets in Merrimack January 24th and 5th. The Ontario Technical Conference is January 29th through the 31st in Kingston. District St. Louis meets February 20th. District Northern California holds its technical conference February 27th and 28th in Sonoma County. One of our newest districts, District Great Plains, meets February 28th and 29th in Kansas City. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. All right, let's walk through that first case from your article. Tell us about the brand, what was previously normal, and the adjustments you made. Sure. Um, And I think, you know, like you said, I just want to echo uh, Darcy's law. I mean, that's kind of the background in terms of the thought process that we're using here to to accomplish uh, our goals. Uh, um, but anyways, jumping into the first case, and this is actually the, the the beer that I kind of had the idea of of working on optimization for was was this very beer, which you know is is slightly outside of of the target uh, Plato range that our brew house is designed for. You know, we're at. Uh, I think it is 15.4 degree Play-Doh uh, starting gravity on this beer. So, you know, in a in a louder ton that's meant to make you know 10 to 12 degree Play-Doh beers, you you've got you know pretty good uh, uh, thick grain bed in there. So it's gonna it's gonna create some issues. So what we begin to see at this range is that the loudering process takes longer. It takes quite a bit longer than than uh, the lower gravity beers. And the other thing that we're seeing is that we're getting lower brew house efficiency. Um, so most of our, our lower gravity beers, and I say lower gravity being in the uh, around 12 degree Play-Doh range, um, you know, we're getting 90 to 95% efficiency, no problem. Here we've got about 89% efficiency. So, you know, I'm seeing this, this, difference and when it starts to occur and this problem just gets worse as your as your starting gravity goes up so the way we're going to start out is by decreasing our our liquor to grist ratio and what this is essentially doing is is creating uh higher gravity wort initially so we're going to slightly decrease the liquor to grist ratio um and you're, you're, we're going to have an increase in our first runnings. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do here was to louder off as much wort as I possibly can without damaging the grain bed before introducing sparge water. So what the sparge water is going to do is it's going to dilute our, our, uh, our wort. So I wanted to louder off as much of that, uh, you know, the high sugar content wort as possible before doing that. Um, and then, you know, the, the kind of 
back end of that is obviously we're going to uh to use more sparge liquor because we uh reduced our our liquor to gris ratio on the front end we're going to introduce that water on the back end which is essentially just using more water to rinse the grain so um and in this process we see uh a jump in brew house efficiency well our fermenters haven't grown in the process so then we have to go back and, and kind of back down our grain bill a little bit. So that's that's kind of the uh, the thought process behind it. That's great. Going back to the one point about uh, trying to draw off as much of the first word as you can, um, I, I know that was something I learned years ago from um, f- from some Anheuser-Busch brewmasters, and uh, I was always surprised, you know, just like you said, the idea is to push it as far as you can without collapsing that bed. How do you guys kind of make that determination? So it's a visual check for us. Um, you know, we we can see into our, our louder ton uh, through the man way. We've got a, a sight glass there that we can see into it. And our goal is, is to have no more than one inch of wort on top of the actual grain bed itself whenever you start the sparge process. Any more than that, you're essentially just, you know, diluting wort unnecessarily. And adding weight on top of that bed that needs Correct. to not be collapsed, right? Um, Correct. Yeah, that, yeah. I've heard. Um, I've heard one. Uh, you know, I think it's different on every system, but um, I, I know that some of the very large brewers uh, try to use as a rule of thumb to basically wait until about twenty-five percent of that grain bed is exposed and is poked through that layer of water. That's usually about as far as I th- I've been able to ever push it. Um, right. And and I think if our louder ton was properly sized, we could probably get away with a little bit more. But, um, you know, we've got that additional uh, grain on there and we just really don't want to collapse the bed at all. Sure thing. Well, uh, talk about how did all those uh, changes work, work out for you? What, what type of improvements did you did you experience? So. We, uh, it may be worth mentioning that this was an iterative process as well. You know, we did one experiment that led to another that led to another that ultimately got us to, to the process that I just described. Um, but what we saw was a, an increase in our first runnings, which was, you know, we planned on doing that from somewhere around uh, 20 degree Play-Doh up to over a uh, 22 and a half degree Play-Doh. Um, which, you know, we, we expect to see that. And we're also seeing that our final runnings, uh, so the runnings taken at the very end of the loudering process, uh, have gone from around 5.4 to just over 2 degree Play-Doh, which is right where we want to be. Um, so that was good. Now, as I mentioned before, our fermenters did not grow. So we reduced our grain bill by 5% and we're actually yielding uh, a little bit more than we were before, or just over 1% more yield. So um, we didn't really want to yield anymore. We just wanted to use less ingredients. And then we also uh, we decreased our louder time um, by about 15 minutes per brew. So Drew, did you guys experience any negative impacts on quality with these changes? Uh, no. So we looked at things like IBU, SRM, ABV, sort of our usual uh, end statistics for a beer, and none of those had changed. Uh, so that was a positive, but obviously the most important thing for a beer is how it's perceived and how it tastes. So we ran it by our sensory panel and our brewers who do our 
daily taste testings for our beer and determine whether something's okay for release based on our in-house metrics and uh they the beers hadn't differed in those and no one you know we do triangle tests and no one had uh noticed a difference in those so uh, we felt pretty happy that our small tweak and savings hadn't really impacted the final beer with the case two and the high gravity beer uh we have a lot more we have eddie said it was two mashes per uh batch but we usually brew that as a 240 so we actually have four mashes that go into one beer so we had four data points for every one end product so by the time we were writing this up we actually didn't have enough data to really present that fully but uh we our tangential evidence didn't really indicate that there was a difference there, but we weren't comfortable saying it was significant on case two. Now, you guys set out uh, to improve brew house efficiency, not only on what you've just described, what most people would kind of consider fairly normal gravity warts these days, uh, but also on some rather aggressively high gravity beers. Um, could you take a minute to describe your rather painful process for brewing those high gravity beers? Sure. So rather painful is, is a perfect description of, of this process. Um, and I think, you know, most uh, craft breweries that, you know, make higher, higher gravity uh, beers would agree that it's just, uh, really tough. So um, we're, we're talking about, you know, 24 degree Play-Doh uh, starting gravity beer. So to do this, it's, it's just a, a monster. Uh, of a process what we end up doing is we will uh mash in with the the most grain that that our louder ton could handle which is about nine thousand pounds for us uh which is you know probably about 40 percent more than than most grain bills and uh, we'll have a, a pretty high uh liquor to, or a, a pretty low liquor to grist ratio and then we will only louder the first running so we'll never sparge we just louder off that really dense sugar uh and then we would grain out mash in again louder again and that's how we'd get to kettle full so take two full mash and louder processes to uh to get to kettle full good times Um, it's awesome yeah so and and we haven't completely eliminated that i mean we're still doing two mash and two louders um but what we did was introduce what I'm what I'm calling a, is a, a mini sparge. So we know that you know there's a bunch of of really good uh, high gravity sugars still in the grain bed. So I'm using one small sparge step to to kind of rinse out that that really high high gravity wort. And we're going to cut off the louder before you start to see the diluted wort coming through. Um, and again, you know, we're keeping our batch size the same. So we're going to reduce our grain bill um, and increase our liquor to grist or decrease our liquor to grist ratio. Um, and the goal here is to, again, kind of maintain your batch size while using less ingredients and in a shorter amount of time. Okay. Drew, we haven't heard much from you, and I know Eddie leaned on you pretty hard to set up uh, the experiments and validate the results. Um, why don't you comment on that? 
yeah, so Eddie briefly mentioned the iterative process that led to this. Uh, we did several kind of single tweak experiments and saw promising results along the way. So then when we wanted to tie it all together, uh, we decided to use the previous year's worth of uh, brews as our control group to compare to, uh, which gave us a pretty nice sample set. And then uh, took those numbers, did a quick power analysis, and found that we were basically going to need, uh, could be done in as few as three batches, if uh, we saw a big effect, which 5% brew house efficiency turned out to be a pretty big effect for us uh, without getting into too much uh, details. But um, so we saw it was a feasible experiment, got the go ahead to do a couple of batches and we saw promise. So, and more importantly, we saw significance. Uh, so we kept going with it. But by the time we sat down to write the paper, we had done uh, about 30 mashes, I think. So uh, the strength, strength of the significance definitely uh went up but uh it was there with much fewer uh much fewer samples uh, but we don't do anything terribly fancy with the data management as eddie said some of the stuff is auto collected in line and stuff and we collect it on paper brew sheets and type it into excel and then uh from there just handle it with uh as i mentioned in the paper we use r which is an open source coding language that uh uh, we have the whole script in, so and part part of our goal at St. Arnold is just sort of building community, and much like getting this knowledge, the brew house knowledge out there that Eddie is sharing, uh, the way we did the analysis and stuff, those are all available uh, on request too. The way we did the analysis is kind of typed up in the script, and people can look at that. So if you're not sure on how to do an analysis of your brew house, then you can kind of look at that and see how... Uh, we did the methods in the, in the paper. Very cool. So what are you guys going to go after next? Uh, oh, we will Eddie? see. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're always kind of, uh, looking for, for other ways to, to improve our processes here. Uh, we've got a couple of minor projects we're working on. Um, I've got a couple of radical ideas and we'll, we'll see if those pan out too. I guess you'll know if it was successful, if there's another paper out in another year or so. Fair enough, fair <laughs> if, enough. If it's not, then it didn't work. <laughs> All right. Well, Eddie and Drew, thanks so much for your contributions to Master Brewers, uh, both for publishing the TQ article and for discussing your project with me here on the Master Brewers podcast. Take care and I hope you guys both have a great day. All right. Thanks, John. All right. Thanks, John. <laughs> That was Eddie Gutierrez and Drew Russi here on the Master Brewers Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about their project, check out their paper in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly. You can get there from a link in the show notes or just type efficiency into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. Don't forget to ask your district officers if you can help them get those district presentations uploaded to the archive. And drop me a line if you think there's a presenter we should have on the show. All the links you need are in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, and BSG. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Thank you.